I get confused when Christians talk about being a warrior for Christ. I don't think we're called to fight, debate, and attack non-believers. It shouldn't be hard to figure out because the Holy Spirit is in our hearts and in Jesus, we have the perfect image of our invisible God. Observing our religious rituals and learning about our faith are important, but they can only be truly authentic if we start by helping those in need. Welcome to the Real Word Podcast for the 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time, Cycle C of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar, and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired Word of God. But to really be nourished by the Word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. As I said, tonight we'll be looking at the readings for the 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time, Cycle C. Our first reading is from Deuteronomy, it's chapter 30, verses 10 through 14. Our second reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, it's chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. And our gospel reading is from Luke, it's chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Just a couple things to note. First, we have readings from both the Old and New Testaments. Deuteronomy is from the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Scripture, uh, while the letter to the Colossians is from the New Testament, or the Christian Scripture, as is our Gospel reading. Tonight, we'll see that Moses says, don't take a cruise. Paul says, see, God's invisible. Jesus answers a question with a question. Okay, let's start by going through the readings, and then we can talk about the messages we find. Our first reading is from the book of Deuteronomy. Moses said to the people, If you would only obey the Lord your God and keep his commands and decrees that are written in this book of the law, and turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven, so that you have to ask, Who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us, so we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask, Who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us, so we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. Our second reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians. Christ Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. 
He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And our gospel reading is from Luke. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. When he put the man on his own donkey, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him, the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings and ask ourselves, What does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around a little bit? So our first reading was from the book of Deuteronomy. And in this reading, we hear the Old Testament roots of something St. Paul writes about in his letters a lot. St. Paul talks about the Word and the Word being Jesus and the Word being very close to us, not far away up in heaven somewhere. In this reading, Moses tells the people to obey the Lord and keep his commands that are written in the book of the law, and to do so with all your heart and with all your soul. But he goes on to clarify that it shouldn't be too difficult, because they've got everything necessary to know what to do. Moses seems to understand that sometimes we feel like God is a long way away especially during trying times or or when we need to make a difficult decision. It can feel like God is up there somewhere, uh, hanging out in heaven, which is far from our daily struggles. But in this reading, Moses tells us that God's commands, those things that God wants us to do, they aren't somewhere up in the sky or far across the sea. We don't need to hop on a SpaceX rocket to find God up among the stars. 
We don't need to board a cruise ship and sail the seas to figure out what God calls us to do. Now, Moses explains that the word of God is amazingly close. So close, in fact, that it's already in your mouth and in your heart. We've talked before about Jesus being the word. So this is another case of the Old Testament foreshadowing what was to come, whether intentionally or not. The word was with the Father in the beginning, and now Moses says the word is very near to all of us, all of us who really want to obey God's commands. So the main message I got from our first reading is that Jesus, the word, is in our hearts. It's easy for us to get overwhelmed with all the stuff going on in our lives. And then we look at the craziness and anger and hatred out in the world. And it sure seems that God is a long, long way away. But that's not the case at all. If anything, we've closed ourselves off from God or we're blinded to the fact that the Spirit is inside each and every one of us. When we feel overwhelmed, when, when it seems the world is a lost cause, let's try to remember that God is very close because Jesus, the Word, is in our hearts. Our second reading was from the letter to the Colossians, and this passage is basically an early Christian hymn in praise of Jesus. Biblical scholars have identified a number of passages in the New Testament that they believe were hymns, even though they're not sure if they were actually sung by early Christians. The key is that the language is more formal and poetic, sort of flowery with a, a rhythmic kind of literary style to it. But we do know from independent sources that early Christians were known for singing hymns to Jesus. One source said they sing as if praising a god. Like us, early Christians understood that Jesus wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a creation of God like the rest of us. In this passage from Colossians, this hymn, we see Jesus being called the image of the invisible God. This doesn't mean Jesus is a reflection of God or a, a picture of God or anything like that. At the time that this was written, Greek philosophers often talked of seeing the image of God in patterns of power and creation. In other words, the only way for us to see God is in the creative power of God. And in this letter, St. Paul presents Jesus as the image of God, as having the power of God, and even as being the, the co-creator of everything. Paul says, all things have been created through him and in him. After establishing that Jesus is God, Paul then goes on to explain that we, the church, are Christ's body, while Christ is the head. Now, we've heard this before, of course, but he immediately links this, this concept to the fact that Jesus has come to reconcile all things. Jesus intends to bring peace on earth through his blood, which was shed on the cross. I do think that many Christians over the centuries have misinterpreted that last part. Far too many Christians have believed that reconciling all things and bringing peace through the blood of Christ means forcing everyone to accept Christ as Lord. And if they don't, then they should be cast out or even killed. 
That's not reconciliation. That's coercion or even slavery. And Jesus didn't suffer, die, and rise again so that his followers would turn around and do to others what had been done to him. That's not what a loving God would want. Anyway, the main message I got from our second reading is that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The very first phrase of this hymn from St. Paul sums it up. We can't see God the Father or God the Spirit, but people did see God the Son. The New Testament documents what Jesus experienced, what what he said, and how the earliest Christians understood his teachings. So when we use Jesus as our role model, we aren't just modeling the behavior of a good person. We're modeling the behavior of God, because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And finally, our gospel reading was from Luke. And in the reading, Jesus helps an expert in the law answer his own question. Who is my neighbor? Jesus does this by sharing what is commonly known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. However, it's not really a parable. It's not a metaphor or an allegory. It's a story that simply illustrates his point. And in the story, a priest and a Levite, two, quote, good people, see the man lying there beaten and they don't help. In fact, they scoop to the other side of the road and scurry on by. But a Samaritan, someone who was a religious and social outcast from a Jewish perspective, a man who was certainly not expected to be a good person, not only stops, but takes the injured man to an inn and takes care of him for a while. But that's not all. After all of that, this Samaritan, this person who the expert in the law would have expected to simply walk on by, this man then leaves money and instructions with the innkeeper, telling him to continue caring for the man. Oh, and on his way back, he'll stop in and pay anything else that's owed. Wow. No metaphor to interpret with that. It's just a perfect example of who our neighbor is and how we should treat them. Unfortunately, too many Christians today act like the priest and the Levite in Jesus' story. They, they say the right things, follow certain religious practices, and then think that's enough. But when someone is truly in need, someone who's not a family member or a friend, they walk on by. They seem to think that words and rituals are more important than truly taking care of people. Jesus wants us to be like the Samaritan in the story. Jesus wants us to be people who stop. He wants us to be people who make time to care for others, especially those who are in need. We are to love God first, and then we are told to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the rituals and theology and evangelization come after that. I would even go so far as to say caring for your neighbor is a prerequisite for authenticity in our evangelization and our rituals. Because if we aren't living that commandment in our everyday lives, then our evangelization and our rituals are sort of fake. We're going through the motions because we aren't living what we claim to believe. We have to start by loving our neighbor 
And Jesus has given us the answer to the question, who is my neighbor? And the answer is, anyone who is in need. So the main message I got from our gospel reading is that we have to start by helping those in need. The Catholic Church has extensive teachings about the faith. For over 2,000 years, evangelists, theologians, and scholars have, have explored and debated everything from the core teachings to the finer points of you know, what we're taught and what we should believe. You can easily spend a lifetime studying it all, which makes it easy to get distracted and forget about Jesus' command to love your neighbor. Learning about the church and our faith comes second. First, we have to start by helping those in need. All right, let's sum up what we've talked about so far. In our first reading from Deuteronomy, the main message I came away with was, Jesus, the Word, is in our hearts. In our second reading from Colossians, the main message I got was, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was, we have to start by helping those in need. I get confused when I hear self-proclaimed Christians talking about being a warrior for Christ. I don't understand this need to fight and debate, to defend the faith by attacking non-believers, because it doesn't seem to be what we're called to do. It shouldn't be hard to figure out because Jesus is with us. The Holy Spirit is in our hearts. And in Jesus, we have the perfect image of our invisible God. We have his words and his example, and his spirit dwells within us. Yes, observing our religious rituals and learning about our faith are important to us, but they can only be authentic if we start by helping those in need. So let's step back and take a second glance at these readings overall and ask ourselves if our path has become clear. To do this, I'd like to answer two questions. So what? And now what? Okay, so what? Why should we care about any of this? Well, we should care about this because it gives us a path to becoming better Christians. It gives us a simple way to be true disciples of Jesus. A simple way, but not an easy way. When we're worrying about whether or not we can effectively debate and defend church teachings, most of us feel like we just don't know enough. We, we don't feel confident in defending church teachings, especially when it's something we're not sure we agree with. So we just don't talk about our faith at all. There are so many differing opinions within the church, so many ordained and religious men and women and trained theologians who disagree and debate. How can we participate in that? But what if we don't have to? Today's readings make it pretty clear that our starting place is somewhere else. Our starting place is simply helping our neighbors. And our neighbors are all of those who are in need. And the last question I try to answer is, now what? What are we supposed to do? Where do we go from here? Well, let's not worry about going too far just yet. Yes, there are huge problems around the world political, ideological, and structural problems, but there are plenty of problems closer to home. So with that in mind, here's your real question for the week. 
What are the needs of the people in my community? There are plenty of organizations that do work in local communities, so it's easy to volunteer a few hours here and there. But are those addressing all of the needs that people have? Maybe we need to take a step back and get more fundamental by discussing how we define needs within our community. What do people need? Not just to live, but to thrive. Food, clothing, shelter, access to adequate health care, those are all easy ones to identify. But what about access to better education or career opportunities, something beyond minimum wage jobs? And what about friendship or companionship? Do people need love? How about respect and something to be proud of? Before we simply spend a few hours at the local food bank and pat ourselves on the back for doing our part, let's spend some time answering the question, what are the needs of the people in my community? Well, before I wrap things up, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. As you're thinking about the needs of others in your community, remember what St. Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 2, verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Even though each of us often has unmet needs, we still have to look beyond ourselves. As disciples of Christ, we are called to help those who are in need, so we must look to the interests of others. All right, we've come to the end of our time here together. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again next week. But in the meantime, I encourage you to use this as a starting point. Spend some time with the Bible on your own. Read through a passage a couple of times. Think about it. Pray about it. Try to open up not only your mind, but your heart. Break open the Word and then listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. The Real Word Podcast is brought to you by The Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and The Real Values Framework. Real stands for respect, engage, accept, and lead. For more information on The Real Values, please visit keepingitreal.club. And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the Holy Bible New International Version, copyright 1973, 1978, 1984, in 2011 by Biblica Inc. Used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide.